Chapter 29 The sun was in the center of the sky, burning like a cigarette put out on the earth. Laura rose to her feet halfway up the steep hill, her shoes dragging in the fresh gravel, and her hands clawing at tree limbs for support. She put the tall man's sunglasses on to shield her eyes from the blinding light. The glasses gave the sky great clarity and turned every leaf a vaporized blue. Laura had never seen this color before. The clouds were all three-dimensional and lying across the sky, bent by the planet's curve. She could see each star millions of miles away. She could see the black rain as it formed in the clouds, and beyond them, she could see the celestial bodies of golden and red, tying together the universe in silk, streaming ribbons. The grass and dirt around her was black. The horizon lied still and quiet. She tucked the gun back in her pants and topped the hill. A finished highway ran along it. Laura recognized the road. In the distance, the sign for the motel stood at the edge of a yellow field of tall grass. The old woman Judith and her granddaughter had gotten to work a bit late that day. A line at the gas and sip had been considerably long for a weekday morning. Judith figured it had to do with traffic. Her granddaughter told her it was because Tuesdays were the best day to get donuts, because that was the day they were made fresh. Judith was trying to taste the difference as she chewed at her long john and leafed through a few papers lying on the counter. The donut was good, but was it great? She decided she needed a few more bites to really know, perhaps even another additional donut to compare it to. Her hand moved from the papers and onto the lid of the pastry box. She wondered whether to go with white frosting or brown frosting. This was going to be a day filled with all kinds of managerial decisions. The broken paintings and picture frames in the hallway had already been swept up by the cleaning crew. It was a shame about those pictures. Judith really liked that watercolor of the two mallards taking off in flight. Why someone would feel the need to destroy it with an iron, she could not understand. Vandals, she thought, rolling her eyes. These were the kind of reckless mongers her granddaughter had to go to school with. Children with no respect for themselves, or anyone else for that matter. The lazy degenerate from room 107 hadn't even bothered to clean up the evidence, leaving the iron lying right in the hallway below the painting. And the wallpaper, she shivered. They didn't even carry that pattern at the store anymore. It was a real awful shame. Dan Peterson. She made a mental note of his payment information as she read it off the receipt. 
it was probably best not to confront him at this hour. Even if he snuck out, his credit card number was hers. She hated to start her day upset. At least the donut was helping. Her granddaughter was playing on the phone in the back office. An unfamiliar silence hung in the air. Judith felt touched. Her eyes shifted. She took another bite of the long john. The sound of her chewing popped in her ears. She tried to think of something to distract herself, but when she shut her eyes, all she could see was the painted mallards, all broken and shattered. It made her upset. A wind ran along the lot and blew by a few broken tree limbs. They drug slowly along the concrete. It was the sound of fall approaching. Judith nodded, knowing full well the uncontrollable will of God, his grace in moving everything along. She would wait and let God tell her what to do about the paintings in the hallway and the man in room 107 responsible for breaking them. If it was God that let him destroy them, it would be God that made him apologize. She picked a brown frosted donut out of the box and sighed with relief. Just as she was popping open the front doors so the cleaning crew could enter, Judith noticed a girl walking up along the shoulder of the road. It was a young girl, not much bigger than her granddaughter. The girl looked ragged, and her baggy gray sweater was covered in dried blood. It was painted down her chest and arms in hand-marked streaks. It was awfully strange, especially the way the girl was walking with a spring in her step. She was almost skipping. The girl's face was covered by enormous black sunglasses that cast white reflections when hit by the sun. Even from a hundred yards away, Judith could see the girl was smiling, her head gazing up at the clouds. The sky was too bright to be stared at with such concentration. Judith decided to go back in and check on her granddaughter. The look of this mysterious girl got her mind going to dark places it shouldn't. She closed the front door and walked around behind the counter. There were plenty of random papers to organize, so she tried to occupy herself as best she could, every few seconds glancing up to see the girl still coming down the road, headed straight for the motel. Now the girl had made it to the parking lot. Behind her, the line of trees seemed to grow taller and taller. The girl was very small. The world out those glass doors looked too big, too evil, and too empty. Judith looked back into the office. Her granddaughter had both legs propped up on the desk and was reading a magazine. Be strong, Judith thought. Her voice of reason was loud today. The strange girl crossed the lot and came to the entrance. She pulled open the set of glass doors and walked right past the desk without looking over. Judith leaned over the counter to speak, but she'd just taken another bite of her donut and her mouth was full. 
She just watched as the young girl strode by with the sunglasses still over her eyes and a demented smile on her face. It seemed like the girl knew right where she was going. Judith wasn't about to stop her. Instead, Judith took a step back and pulled the office door closed. Then she sat in a chair and picked up a small framed picture of Jesus, holding it to her chest and praying quietly as the other hand opened the pastry box and fished around for another donut. It was a short set of stairs to the first floor, just a couple that led up from the base level of the entrance and lobby. Laura remembered hauling all her things up the stairs the night before. Other than the stairs, the place felt unfamiliar. The green carpet and walls of the hallway were trashed, and several of the fake wood doors with plastic numbers colored to look like brass had been kicked in. There were jagged rips along the wallpaper, and the broken picture frames were scattered everywhere. The daylight through the window at the end of the hall burned brightly. Bits of glass in the carpet glimmered, and Laura was mindful to step around it. She reached in her back pocket and pulled out her room key. Room 107, a place she had almost forgotten. A place that meant nothing to her. The door was flimsy as she turned the knob, propping the sunglasses on the top of her head and squinting to see inside. The room was dim and smelled like urine. She could only open the door partially. Dan was lying on the floor inside. He was face down and almost naked. Laura pushed the door with her shoulder, but his legs blocked it from opening any further. She pulled the gun out from her pants and shimmied sideways through the crack, stepping over his legs. Her car keys laid next to the clock on the nightstand. It was 11.44 a.m. She tried not to kick him, but he was blocking her path, and her heel grazed his shoulder as she reached for the keys. Dan stirred, but only made a frail, moaning sound. He looked badly beaten. His face was swollen and his arms and legs were dotted with bruises. But he was alive and fast asleep, which is something Laura hoped for herself soon. She smiled at him coldly as he began to snore again and turn onto his side, away from her. Laura crawled over to the bed and inched back the curtain, looking out into the lot her car was still there. She stepped over Dan again, walking quietly into the bathroom and closing the door. She took the sunglasses from her head and pulled the sweater off of her. She washed her face and brushed her teeth, running the water lightly to not make any noise. She heard Dan moan and stir again out in the room, but then he went back to snoring. She dried her face and arms and pocketed one of the small bottles of soap and her toothbrush. She took off her necklace and rings and laid them next to the faucet and put the sunglasses back on her head. Laura looked hard at herself in the mirror but felt almost nothing. 
She couldn't think of what she was trying to make herself see. She turned off the light and stepped back out into the room. Dan still laid at her feet, like an old dog. Her jean jacket and another sweater hung next to the door. She pulled them over herself and, without looking back, turned and left the room, quietly closing the door behind her. She ran down the steps and threw her room key onto the counter as she pulled the sunglasses back over her eyes. Judith stood up, but only watched as the girl pushed open the door and crossed the parking lot. Laura got into her car, started it, and pulled out of the lot. She took a right and headed south, pressing the gas to the floor. Judith watched as the car disappeared into the woods. Just as it vanished, her granddaughter called to her from inside the office. Grandma, that guy's on the phone. The guy who smashed the paintings. Judith looked at the trees. They seemed to be looking back at her. Laura followed the road, watching it turn back to gravel, then dirt. She pulled the CD out of her bra and put it in the stereo. Then she turned the volume all the way up and laughed with her eyes to the clouds as the violent screams crawled toward her.